the National Archives podcast series, 19th Century Soldiers, Getting the Most from Online Resources, presented by William Spencer. My name's William Spencer, I'm the Principal Military Specialist and I've been here for over 17 years now, seems like yesterday since I joined. And the purpose of my talk this afternoon is 19th Century Soldiers and it's to getting the most from online resources. So the big change in the, in the time that I've been here at the archives is of course when we started it was all paper, look at this catalogue, look at that catalogue, wade through a lot of material, if you don't have a lot of information are you likely to find something relating to your 19th century soldier and in many cases not. So the advent of digitisation has enabled us to provide a better service uh, but more importantly for you is to, to uh, increase your hit rate, your success rate in finding material because of the simplification of the records, their arrangement and obviously all the pos possible results. Now I'm going to talk primarily only about four specific record series. WO97, the Chelsea Papers, Royal Hospital Chelsea Pension Records covering men discharged from the army between 1760 and 1913. WO119, the Kilmainham Papers, records of service, covering the early part of the 19th century. And the First World War material, WO363, sometimes known as the Burnt Papers, and WO364, sometimes called the Unburnt Papers. WO97, WO363 and WO364 have been digitised so you are now able to search for material online by as little as name. WO97 is available via Find My Past and WO363 and WO364 are available via Ancestry. WO119 has been catalogued down to name level but has yet to be digitised. Once that series is digitised, then you'll be able to look at a significant number of 19th century soldiers in digital format. So, the records really cover the period 1800 to 1920. Whilst it might be rather odd to think more Victorian soldiers up to 1920, there are lots of old and bold soldiers who saw service in the late 19th century who, through a quirk of fate, or whichever way you may wish to describe the way that they rolled the dice, a lot of them actually saw service in the First World War, so you have to take um, this subject up to 1920, which of course is where the, the records of service for the First World War finish. Now, <coughs> terms and conditions of, of service and engagement cause a lot of problems when looking for 19th century soldiers. Before 1847, most men joined for life. They would only be discharged from the army if they were being discharged to pension or if they were discharged on the count of sickness or wounds contracted or, or received during their service. Good example of sickness or wounds uh, in the early 19th century, if a soldier, an infantry soldier, lost his teeth, he can no longer bite the cartridge to load his musket, so he was useless really. Uh, and a cavalryman, if he fell off his horse and broke his legs, a leg, a broken arm, difficult to ride a horse with um, an arm that's been broken or a leg. So in many cases, those types of individuals were discharged um, on medical grounds. 
One of the, the big changes, the most significant changes, was in 1871, where a, a man could sign on for lim what's called limited service. So they do 10 or 12 years, dependent on whether they're infantry or cavalry. They could then extend their service to what's called a second period of engagement uh, and complete service to pension. But the option of serving for only 12 years, it was a non-pensionable term, so you get a lot of men joining the army who are m maybe missing from the 1871-1881 census, who only do a limited period engagement. And because it, it's a non-pensionable term, in most cases their records weren't kept. If they extended their service to pension, fine. If they were discharged under less, with less than 10 or 12 years service, again, you may find um, that if they were discharged on account of sickness or wounds, you may find a record of service. But if they only did a 12-year period of service, or if they died in service, unfortunately death in service was a termination of contract, and prior to 1899 there were no such things as automatic widow's pensions, there was no need to keep the record of service. So what does that say about the records? Well, they're not really kept for, for people as family historians or military historians. They're kept to illustrate length of service, how much the state paid the individual, how much they should pay them for a pension. So it unfortunately boils down to money. Now what I've put down here on this particular slide about, about limited service 10 to 12 years, 3 to 7, 9 to 5. In many cases, a man could serve a period with the colours, so full-time active service, and the balance in the reserve. But of course, in the balance in the reserve, they could be recalled for service for operations overseas, or they could be recalled to release men to go and see operational service overseas. The first case of the reserve being called out was the Egyptian War of 1882. So moving on, some key terms, very important things, terms. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're aware that even this institution hides behind lots of terms. So attestation, the important thing really. Limited or short service and discharged. Three key terms that will, will help you. So the attestation, the date upon which a recruit swears an oath of allegiance to the Crown. Are you aware that only soldiers and Royal Marines and members of the Royal Air Force are able to become Yeoman Warders? It's because they, the, the, they swear allegiance to the Crown. Royal Navy ratings don't. Their allegiance is to the Admiralty, although of course now the Queen is the Lord High Admiral. Limited or short service, a non-pensionable term, usually 12 years, sometimes called the first period. On a record of service, you may find that it man says discharge the end of first period, if you're lucky, or if they sign on to complete a second period of engagement. This is where it comes from. It shows that an individual has, although he may have a continuous run of service, it's been broken up into two contract periods. And of course, discharge, the re release from army service. Now, the, the, uh, the army differ uh, from the, the Navy in lots of different reasons, but when it comes to discharge, that's when an individual leaves the service. If they are discharged dead, the army don't keep the records of service, but the Royal Navy do. So if you ever find an annotation of DD on an Admiralty record, it means discharged dead, you sometimes find that it is annotated uh, sparingly on War Office material. Now, 
the key series, W097. The D is for digitised. W0119, catalogued and available to search on our online catalogue by name. W0363, of course, digitised, and W0364, digitised. W097, Royal Hospital Chelsea Soldiers Documents. That's the full description. A lot of people come in and say they're looking for somebody who's described on the census as a Chelsea pensioner. Two forms of pensioner, in pensioners, so they were in the hospital at Chelsea, and out pensioners, the majority of army pensioners, who were at liberty to live wherever they wished, anywhere in, in, in the world. It doesn't have to be in the UK. So army pensioner or Chelsea pensioner frequently appear on censuses. If you get that term pensioner, you may wish to look at W197. Originally, the records were arranged in a, a number of different ways, by regiment or corps and by discharge period. So it was always broken up into 1760 to 1854, 1855 to 72, 73 to 82, 83 to 1900, 1900 to 1913. And dependent upon the date, you needed to, of course, know the name of the soldier, but if you knew the, knew the regiment or corps that an individual served in, you would need to apply that data to identifying the relevant box of WO97 and then ordering the original. Digitisation has put that aside, but it is still very important sorts of information for you to know. But now I search of all by name, <coughs> if I find my past. I will show you the quirks of the two websites at the end. Good example of the type of paper you may find in a 19th century WO97. This relates to John Buxton, who was discharged from the 45th Regiment, which became the 1st Battalion, the Nottinghamshire Regiment, then the 1st Battalion Sherwood Foresters, then the Worcester and Sherwood Foresters, and now it's the Mercian Regiment, how, how the army changes. Now, there are a couple of points that you may wish to make note of especially with the early and mid-19th century soldiers. This man has been discharged from the 45th. So an original search prior to digitisation meant that you needed to know the regiment from which a man was discharged. The interesting thing about John Buxton was that he also served in the 34th foot, which became, was the Cumberland Regiment, became the 1st Battalion, uh, the Border Regiment. Now, if you have a, a, some item of information, a snapshot at a given time, and you had no inkling that this man went into the 45th, any search in WO97, the original hard copy, may have failed to produce his records. So here we have a good example of how digitisation has made searching for 19th century soldiers a little bit more effective. Rule WO119, Royal Hospital Kilmainham, Pensions discharge documents, originally arranged by discharge number, indexed by WO118, but now searchable by name on the catalogue. So if you have the name of the individual and the regiment from which he was discharged, or just the name, of course, you can just search by name. WO363 and WO364. Now, a lot of people say to me, you know, why do you put in the First World War when you're talking about 19th century soldiers. Well, I've already alluded to the fact that a lot of old and bolds from the late 19th century saw service in the First World War, but there are, due to the, the history of these two record series, lots of anomalies, quirks, 
caveats and things. Lots of permutations relating to non-First World War service where these guys just turn up. So it is always worth looking in the First World War papers. WO363, which was the debris left from the, the, the fire at Arnside Street in 1940, Nobody's really sure how it was originally arranged, but I've got a good idea. Suffice to say that in 1942-43, the surviving material was put into one alphabetical sequence. And that's how it was administered by the Ministry of Defence until the material was transferred to us in the late 90s. W0364 was a collection of records originally kept by the Ministry of Pensions which arrived at the War Office to supplement or replace the burnt material, the destroyed material, that was transferred in an alphabetical sequence. So digitisation has itemised millions of records of service of men who saw service in the British Army between 1760 and 1920, but because of the, the record-keeping practices of the War Office, you find in many, many cases late 19th century soldiers in the First World War material. So if you know that a man only saw service between 1880 and 1900, and you if you don't find his papers in WO97, please try the First World War. You will be pleasantly surprised. WO363 and WO364 are searchable via Ancestry. Now, um, a recent update on the Ancestry website, WO364, which they describe as pensions, was originally only searchable by forename, surname and regimental number. But they have finally finished re-indexing it and it is now possible to search by the regiment or corps. So that's the recent update to WO364. Any background papers, other records relating to the 19th century soldier papers can be found in, in this guide uh, which is available for sale in, in the shop. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk you through some demonstration, a demonstration of the Find My Past record, so WO97, the catalogue of WO119, the Kilmainham papers, and WO363 and 364, just to show you how the strengths and weaknesses and how creative you may need to be in order to get the most out of the online resources. So if I deal with WO97 first, catalogue and online resources, self-explanatory. In the middle at the bottom, Royal Hospital Chelsea pension records. Now you can see straight away that it, you can search by a number of different parameters. I would recommend that you always use the advanced search because there are lots of different ways of searching the papers. You can start off with as little as a name and you can see that there are only 74 men called John Nash. If I did John Smith you would see that there are thousands. So of course what you need is what I call, and some people may have heard me call this, use this term before, is a unique identifier. You need something which is going to set your individual person apart from everybody else of that name. 
Of course, the important thing might be year of birth or place of birth. It might be a regiment. It might be a regimental number. So to show you the strength of going into the regimental search, for example, you can put in John Smith and Royal Artillery. And again, you're looking at 340. Now, if you, you want to use the material in-house, of course, access here at Q is free. If you wish to use it remotely, you're going to have to uh, obtain a Find My Pass subscription. But a, a very useful way of confirming your um, ideas about a search might be just to look at the document description. So you've got the name, calculated year of birth, place of birth, age on attestation, attestation date, but more importantly the, the, the document reference. It can always be quite useful um, to identify material that in that particular route. Now, what I have to do now to, to illustrate the strength of WO97 or the weaknesses, just to show you through a, a particular case the way that you may get tripped up. Now, Ancestry have recently made available digital copies of the medal rolls in WO100. So if you, for example, manage to lucky enough to pick up a medal to a chap called Bucky in the Border Regiment, you might think, ah, oh, I've got his name, I've got his regiment, um, I can now search WO97 online because I've got his name and I've got his regiment. Before all I knew that he was in the army in the 19th century. So, for example, if we then put in Bucky and the regiment, the medal roll said the border regiment, so here we have the border regiment, we do a search and it doesn't produce any hits. So if we then go back to the medal roll, oh, his, his Christian name is Benjamin, ha has he transferred? So you go back to find my past and take out the regiment because he may have transferred. What, one Edward, one William. So we're still falling over. Now what you might want to do is to actually have a look at the image for this individual medal roll because of course it's a snapshot of data at a given time. Now if we scroll down, right down near the bottom, here, here we have 2774 Lance Corporal Benjamin R. Bucky. So another search term might be the regimental number. So if we go back into Chelsea papers on Find My Past, get rid of the name because it's obviously causing us problems. We now have a number, 2774, and we know the regiment at the time, or we could just leave it globally, but we'll try by the regiment first. So we've got 2774 in the border regiment. <gasps> Benjamin R. Buckle. So you then look at the record of service, and the medal roll said that he was in Waziristan in 1894-95. Now the quickest thing to do, of course, obviously you've got 2774, that's correct, the regiment's correct, you go to one of the last or last but one pages, you, in many cases you get all the different places that he served. And down here you see it says Waziristan 1894 to 95, campaigns Waziristan 1894 to 95 and the medal, Indian medal with clasp inscribed Waziristan 1894-95. So Benjamin Bucky, 
E on the medal roll is actually Benjamin Buckle. So that's a, a, a good way of looking. You've got a regiment, you've got a number. People are notorious um, when it comes to phoneticising or making an error with um, the spelling of a particular name. But of course, what you see here is Find My Past have got a, a marvellous icon which says Variants. So we can now look for Mr. Bucky. Um, we'll, tr we'll try just using his name. And here he is again, Benjamin Richard Buckle. So if you're unsure of the spelling, especially with the mucks and the Max, M-A-C or M-C, you may wish to try doing a variant search. Other obtuse searches. Um, I said about looking for a given individual. So we, for example, say we want to search a particular regiment. It ha happens to be the border regiment again. I'll explain the interest in due course. So G-A-R-R-E-T-T, Mr. Garrett of the 34th or the 55th. So Richard Garrett. No, but is the surname correct? Is the spelling correct? It's a variant. If you're un unknown, you may wish to try, but because his Christian name's Garrett. <laughs> so if we move on, for example, people change their names. I'll come on to aliases in due course. So Garrett Kavanagh, another e interesting example. Nice record of service to see. Of course, the great thing is about the, the more recent material is that they're, they're, you get to see them in their full colour, whereas the early material, 1760 to 1854, was only monochrome with um, the problems of microfilm. You'll see on here, it says obviously 1133, 55th foot, Garrett Kavanagh, but you might need to just read around. And the only way that you would have picked this up is either knowing that he was in the 55th foot or you've got places that the individual served in. And more importantly, when I get to the right page, you see that he's transferred from the 64th into the 74th and then into the 55th. Now, of course, if he was on the 1861 census and in the UK, you might pick him up 64th. If he's on, um, so you might get a documentation, say a, a marriage or a birth of a child saying that 74th. So if you searched under the 64th or the 74th for that individual, you wouldn't find it. So the important thing um, about using the material online is what I call the, 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 the concertina approach. You might have to add a bit of data or take it away depending on as you're advancing your search you might have to contract it or expand it depending upon the information that you've got. Now fortunately a name like Garrett Kavanagh is, is, is very unusual um, just to prove that is I'll just take you and show you how you can search WO97 on Find My Past by just Garrett but then if we redefine it a little bit and put in the surname, so Garrett Kavanagh. It's a unique name, fortunately. So, then we can move on. Um, if you are doing an, any type of search on, on uh, Find My Past, you can play, but um, you're just going to have to use a combination. Common names, the more information you've got, the better. Now, if I move on, to the First World War material, 
on ancestry I'm going to go this route now of course you can search lots of different ancestry resources the military resources by as little as name but as one might imagine there are lots of men of the same name especially in the first world war so you might want to specify pensions you might want to specify service records so I'll, I'll just do a, a specific search on each series first and then I'll do a, a broad search so George Dean now this particular individual was in the Royal Artillery and died in the late 19th century there's obviously a clue here because I've put the data in so you know you're going to get an answer death in service is a termination of contract it's not a pensionable term uh, in most cases. So George Dean, service number of 1883, born 1869. So a lot of people say, oh look, he's 31, he's f he, he would be ancient at the outbreak of the First World War. Remember conscription went up to the early 19th, age of the 50, early 50s. So horrible to look at, but there are the pages. Now I will reiterate this again because it's one of the things that I jump up and down about on a lot of occasions. This could be described as a landing page. When you do a search and then you click on an image on Ancestry, the first page that you arrive at to view is a landing page. What Ancestry don't tell you effectively is that what they think is a landing page may not be the first page in a sequence of papers. If you think that a lot of these records have been used and reused and shuffled about and damaged and put back together over a hundred year, a period of a hundred years, you might find that what would logically be the first page isn't the first page in a sequence of papers. So if, if you get to a page, you get to a landing page and you think, well, hang on a minute, you go forward using the forward arrows but it doesn't come up with the right page number or it doesn't give you the right answers please use the back arrow you'll be surprised how many soldiers you look for in wo363 or wo364 where there is more detail going backwards it's unnatural but that's the way the material um, was originally arranged and that's the way that the material survived up to it being microfilmed and then digitised. So here we have the unusual case, died in service in 1898. So if you do get a late 19th century soldier and he is not a casualty in the purest sense of probably being killed in action in or dying of disease in the Boer War, please try the First World War material. You will be pleasantly surprised, or maybe pleasantly surprised. Now, lots of different anomalies and lots of things where you need to use the records a little bit more creatively or you need to read the records a little bit more um, carefully so for example 
one of my interests. I've got lots of different interests amongst the archives, not just um, military records. M my vice, the, the thing that got me into the archives over 30 years ago, was collecting medals. So, pension records. Originally, of course, W0364. Um, I don't particularly like the ancestry's description. So, John Bernard Nolan. So I've searched by the surname and the regimental number. So here we, ha here we have another gentleman who is born in 1869. And once again, when we scroll down, was in the Border Regiment. This individual also saw service in the operations in Waziristan in 1894-95. Just to illustrate, it's very difficult to read that regimental number. Use the back arrows to make sure that you have got the first page. So you haven't, you see. So you've got on the landing page and you've got a little bit more relating to this man. So it could be that the reason why he's in the First World War papers is because he volunteered again, which he did. So this says, Corps in which served, Border Regiment Depot, and then he moved to various battalions until he was discharged in 1916. So the landing page has already shown you um, the start to prove that you've got the right man from the late 19th century, but then using the back arrows means that you can go back to the beginning of a man's record of service and you will now see how here you've got John Nolan 18 Gas Street Rugby I know Gas Street Rugby and it says look have you ever served in the huts yes the Border Regiment so you know that you're on to the right man now the interesting thing about Mr Nolan um, is the fact that the medal roll for the Waziristan has got him down as either B or JB so it just shows you the importance of having as much of the name as possible, the regiment or corps and the regimental number to use to go back and forth into the material. Now another good example, just to show you John Burden Nolan, how many times Nolan comes up? You've got 1300 medal index cards, you've got pension records, records of service, Boer War casualties, and so on and so forth. So you can get, really can get carried away um, by data. Now, <coughs> one of my favourite anecdotes relating to dealing with First World War inquiries <coughs> is a couple who came up to me and said that their grandfather saw service in the First World War. And I said, well, yeah, that's no problem. We can help you along your way. He joined under an alias. Yeah, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We can use that as a search term. We don't know what it was. <laughs> I can't help with that one. I can give you some ideas, but I can't help you with that one. Now, uh, a good example of aliases. I like uh, aliases. So, here we have. My favourite thing again, you're going to say, oh, he's, he, this man's obsessed. Uh, this, Mr Wilson. So, Sergeant John Wilson. No, Sergeant Wilson, nothing to do with the Home Guard. Saw service in the Border Regiment in the late 19th century and Wilson and 1523 service numbers. Aha, but look at this. John Albert Merrick, brackets John Albert Wilson. Now how many of you go in and use Ancestry and amend entries? 
Have anybody updated and passed information back to Ancestry and saying that that bloke called Smith is actually two Smiths and his name is Smith, but it's with a, a two Fs and a silent Q? People can do it, but in many cases what they do do is flag up aliases. So here you have John Albert Wilson. So we knew the surname was Wilson and we knew that the regimental number was 1523 Border Regiment, joined in 1885. Now, just use my maxim of using the back arrow first. So you know, interestingly, go straight into John Albert Merrick. So read back again. So First World War Service, is it the same paper? John Merrick, you know it's the same one. You go back again Hopefully you will get the front page, or you'll get inside left. Yep. No, they haven't. They've done inside right. And I'm not talking about footballers. So here we have John Albert Merrick, uh, which is his proper name. And it says, look, down here, yes, Border Regiment, 21 years. A lot of men who left the army in the 19th century or early 19th, 20th century didn't declare their service when they, when they joined up. You just have to be very, very careful. Now, the last hurrah of a demonstration of WO363 and WO364 is this particular individual, Ernest Edwin Nash. Two pension records. So one's born about 1873 with no other data and one's born in Hitchin in Hertfordshire. I know that there was an Ernest Edwin Nash who saw operations in Waziristan in 1894-5 with the Border Regiment. Now, if you read that carefully, you've got 3291 Ernest Edwin Nash, 1st Royal Munster Fusiliers. But if you look very carefully up here, that says Border 2995, and that's his regiment. So the important thing is to, is to read the record of service very, very carefully, because you may only get one item, one record, that um, illustrates that the individual is in the regiment at a given time to therefore to confirm to you that you, you've got the right person. So that's good old an ancestry. So moving on finally to WO119. So WO119 indexed by the, the friends of the TNA, Friends of the Public Record Office that was. So for example, you can just search by as little as Jones and it will tell you the name of the individual, place born, served in which regiment and his original cat kill main and pension number. And this is the number that you would find in WO118. So although it says see film image 308 and that is the concrete advice, this element where it's got a catalogue reference of WO119 stroke 1 stroke 150 when we catalogue items, individual items, where there are multiple entries, as the entries are created, they are given an entry number. So it's 150. So you could say that Joshua Jones is actually the 150th person in that piece of WO119. But what the friends have done for you is to put in the individual image references. So you will get a lot of, of late 19th, late 18th, early 19th century soldiers in WO119, a lot of pen Peninsular War veterans and a lot of Waterloo veterans who took their pension on the Irish, what's called the Irish establishment, 
and the pensions were administered by Kilmainham, which was the Dublin equivalent to Chelsea until it closed down. So if you, you sometimes find that you will only find a man in WO119 and not in WO97. So now that we've I I itemised both, please uh, make use of the, ca the cataloguing of WO119. If you wish to combine a search, is every, most people happy about doing a combined term search using the term AND in capital letters and then you can put the regiment in. So anybody of the name Jones in the 76th Regiment of Foot, and there is only one. So age discharge, dates given, year of enlistment to year of discharge. So rough idea. So if he was discharged at the age of 20 in 1811, you can say that he joined up at the age of 16 stroke 17. But it's, you think, here is a man, Thomas Jones, who was born in Nottingham, yet his pension papers were administered by Kilmainham. Right, thank you very much. This event was recorded live on the 17th of March 2011 at the National Archives, Kew. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved. <laughs>